Hello and welcome to Stories, the True and the Fictional. As you can tell from the slightly different style of music, this is going to be a slightly different style of episode. It's something we call Story Chat, where we sit down with an author, a filmmaker or any kind of storyteller really, and talk to them about their life and their work in a real fun and laid-back way. So sit back, relax. Unless you're going for a jog, then run faster. It's story time. Hello guys and welcome to Stories the True and the Fictional, or Story Chat as we like to call it. Uh, Before we bring in our returning guest, this episode is brought to you by Rebecca Castles and the Rising Dawn series, but not only Rebecca Castles and the Rising Dawn series, myself, J.A. Bryden, and my book, Letters from the Emu War, now available, link in the show notes. Um, there's no international um, delivery yet, but I'm going to set that up on my website because my publisher doesn't believe in sending stuff overseas, at least at this point, but I will, I will get it out there. But uh, now that the promo is out of the way... Daniel, Roy, Lehman, thank you for coming back. How are you? I'm doing well, and yourself? Living the dream, mate, living the dream. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Ryan's back from hospital. How are you, Ryan? I'm good. I'm good. I'm doing well. So uh, are you ready for these icebreakers, Dan? These round two? Yes, I am. The questions are a little more difficult this time, mm-hmm. but I'll see what I can do. All right, Ryan, how are you feeling? Do you want to go first? Do you want to go second? Uh, yeah, look, it's been a while, so like I'm happy to go first. I haven't even read the icebreakers, to be honest, and that's how professional <laughs> I am. Um, okay, I'm going to start this. Start with this one. So, Daniel, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? When I was when I was real little, um, I always wanted to be an inventor when I grew up. That was everything I wanted to do was just invent, create, blah, 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 blah telling people about you know i i'm pretty sure i accidentally invented heelys because i told everybody in the world about how great it would be if your rollerblades you didn't have to take off your shoes and try and keep track of them and you could just you know pull them out of your shoe or something like that and then lo and behold somebody invented that could have been me could have been me but alas it, it is kind of neat that i ended up being in a position where i create things anyway but just not in a literal sense i guess (laughs) but yeah always wanted to be an inventor um i actually told my anyone who would listen that i wasn't ever going to get married um (laughs) because they would mess up my stuff (laughs) and that would ruin that would ruin my inventions they'd get into everything and uh now that i've been married three times i realized that's exactly what they do (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you haven't heard of a lair, like a, a or, or or a man cave or something that you know. Yeah, those are for people that are a little wealthier than I am. <laughs> I, I have a corner of the living room yeah. <laughs> with a, a secondhand desk that's got uh, shoe marks on it and uh, <laughs> tape along the ground. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have to what? do squats the whole time I'm writing. <laughs> now, what I did is I actually claimed the living room as my domain. So I then bought the expensive TV when I was working, bought the expensive Sony TV, bought the PS5 and and decked it out with the recliner. And it's like, this is my domain. I'm just lucky that Steph likes to watch stuff on her tablet more than she does on TV. 
So See, I've tried that before. I've tried that before. That's why I've been married three times. <laughs> uh, but no, I like uh, inventing. Like I think, I think we all have that little part of us inside of when we're younger, before we grow up and realize the truths of the world, that we want to just build things to make the world better. But essentially, you, you're right. You do do that with your stories. So you're sort of halfway there. Well, I mean, even even in this, it's not even just in a uh, in a sense where like you know, I invented a, a world that people don't, like, in the actual story, they go through the process, in certain chapters, they, they'll go through the process of inventing things, okay. using the technology and the magic that's available in their world. Like, in, in book two, they build an, an airship, using magical runes and stuff like that, and that's that's a minor part of the story. It's like, I think it's in one one chapter, maybe two chapters, where like other stuff's going on, but they're also building this airship in the background and trying to figure out how to do it using a hard magic system. Because I, I love hard magic systems. I, I think I, I kind of feel like soft magic systems are cheating because you just go because magic and, and that's it. <laughs> I, I feel like the characters don't necessarily need to know all the rules, but I feel like you as the person writing it should at least know the rules mm-hmm. to what magic can and cannot do, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree, totally. It makes that much more of an interesting story. Yeah. Whereas you're yeah. not just sort of explaining away like, oh my God, we just built this airship. How did we do it? Magic. Yeah. <laughs> actually explaining the process and, 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 and how they weave magic in with, you know, intelligence and, and wisdom and their own mind mm. to create something so amazing uh, yeah it's kind of funny because of of my beta readers you can tell who works in an artistic field and who works in a like logical field because the people who work in artsy type fields tend to love the other chapters mm-hmm. and then the people who work in like the computer programmers and stuff like that they love that and i <laughs> i don't know if it's because i used to be a computer programmer that I that I like the hard magic setup so much and it just meshes with my brain or or what it is, but it seems to vibe really well with people who who like that structure in, awesome. in their thought process and such. Excellent. Now right, Jamie, question awesome. number two. Question number two. If you could have a talking animal sidekick, what would you pick? And bonus points for the type of voice, you know, accent or, you know. Well, I mean, like. it. the voice is no question. I mean, that's Morgan Freeman. It's got to be Morgan Freeman's voice. Yes. And what animal? <laughs> as, far as, as far as what animal, I actually thought really hard about this one when you guys, <laughs> when you guys sent me the question um, and even ran it by um, some fans of other fantasy oh. stuff that I follow to try and get some insight so that I could pick the right thing. Because my gut instinct was to say dog. Yeah. Because I love dogs, always have loved dogs. They're man's best friend, so on and so forth. But this little creeping sensation of what if their happiness is all a lie? Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and now he can tell yeah. me about how sad he is all yeah. the time. And I, <laughs> I don't want to do that, man. I don't want to risk yeah. it. So I, I have to go with Raven just for, for right. coolness factor. Um, 
having a raven the fact that ravens i don't know if you guys know this or not probably because you're from australia and you guys have a better education system um but, <laughs> but ravens ravens can mimic speech as well yeah. as parrots yeah. if they're yeah. trained um there's like five americans that know that so yeah <laughs> but because of that because of that i could i could theoretically teach my raven to not only mimic speech but actually converse with people so that you know once once i'm gone or if the raven mm -hmm. decides to part ways or whatever he can he can go hang out with somebody else and told my wife about maybe starting up a little side business with my little magic raven mm -hmm. just waiting outside of cemeteries and just you know having the raven fly down land on the new person's tombstone and say don't grieve guys i'm at peace and then fly away and you know all those all those people at that funeral are now relieved i guess because they think yeah. they, they view this as some sign and realistically it's just me with my little magic raven or trying to make the world a better place or the raven will land on the on the gravestone and and, and say to the people get busy living or get busy dying <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I had forgotten just... that it's morgan freeman's voice yeah. you guys didn't include that in the question so i don't know no. if it would be ominous or not if it came out in, well, in Morgan a, Freeman's voice. He's he's got a very unique voice. He's so you know. <laughs> I am at peace. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There you go. Um. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Question number three is you're a king slash queen slash supreme leader slash president for a day. What do you do? That is easy. I would revamp the entire election system okay. for everything. There, there'd be no more people who get into politics for for 50, 60 years and so on mm -hmm. and so forth and then and then can hide behind, well, back in my day, it was a different time. Like, I don't care what you did back in your day. I care yeah. that you are excusing it in present day by saying at the time it was okay. Yeah. Because it was never okay. It was just that society decided to make it okay. Yeah. If that makes sense. So I would I would revamp the entire elective election system. Um, if if I had my way, you wouldn't even know who you were voting for. Anyone who is running for office would have to fill out a question, a questionnaire type deal, like what are your thoughts on these hot button issues? Yeah. And you know, if if your stance, Jamie, is um, I think all babies should be aborted. Period. End of statement. That yeah. goes on the little list. And you know, yeah. Ryan's stance is I don't think anyone should ever be able to abort. Period. That goes on the list. And you know, I'll I'll throw my stance up there as well and say, you know, you can't have it you can't have one extreme or the other. You gotta have a middle ground and blah blah blah. Yeah. My extremely long-winded answer would also be an option and then when somebody goes in to vote they just see those options yeah and they pick which option and whoever gets the most options is elected yeah because the fact that people go in there and they vote right or left yeah without knowing anything about the person is just dumbfounding to me people yeah. are just blindsided by who they just voted for yeah. and act it, act surprised when they get in office and do things yeah it it, sh it should definitely be about policies it should be yeah. about the policies not the popularity you know contest. yeah the, 
the last couple of elections we've had here, I've I've actually said to some of my family members, you know, could you could you tell me a few things that, you know, this person that you want to win actually stands for? Yeah. And they'd be able to you know, recite the slogan. Yeah. And that's about it. <laughs> like yeah. they they couldn't tell you their stance on anything other than, well, like, you know, they're a Democrat, they're a Republican. Like, yeah. of course I'm going to vote for them. Yeah. The whole two party system just needs to die. Yeah. Well, you know, we've got it. It's different over here because while you guys vote for the president, we vote for a party and then the party can choose whoever the leader is within that. Yeah, you guys, you guys do it the exact opposite of us because we we have that as well. That just happens first. That that's why um, President Obama met four of our prime ministers in like four four years. (laughs) You know, like (laughs) it was just get rid of him, get rid of him, get rid of him. Yeah, no, like uh, you know, and I I I hate our um, uh, I gotta be careful because Australian government they they like to uh, track you down and stuff. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But no, we got it's basically you know you got right and left but they mainly agree on the same stuff. They kind of pretend to be opposed to each other, but you know, they all kind of agree. And you're just like, you got to have different views. We have a lot of the same. And the biggest thing that bugs me is that not even the politics side of it, but the people seem to turn each other into monsters. Mm -hmm. um, Instead of just having a discussion like if if you think that you know abortion is something that women should have a right to someone can't sit there and go i humbly disagree and i think this is why mm. instead they scream murderer at you yeah and the opposite is true as well if you think you know abortion should be off the table instead of instead of sitting there and saying well maybe it should be on the table and yeah. here's why People just scream that, you know, you don't care about women and you think that they're nothing but baby factories and there's middle ground. Like 99% of the world doesn't think that women should be forced to carry babies or babies should be killed. (laughs) Go figure. (laughs) The vast majority of us hate doing both of those things, (laughs) but it's not a matter of, you know, the fact that you push people into these extreme sides of an argument makes it very difficult to find any middle ground because you're too busy contributing monstrous deeds to the other person or attributing not country well maybe we need to send in your morgan freeman raven to uh settle settle things down Um... maybe maybe it would be hard (laughs) to argue with morgan freeman yeah (laughs) 100 percent um but uh, let's let's move away from politics now and get to our next question. Uh, I'll just wake up now. Okay, cool. <laughs> no, no. I, hate I, I love talking about politics. You know, I follow a lot of people, but I'm not gonna not gonna get into that. Um, <laughs> what book or story would you like to see adapted into film? See, I thought I thought really hard about this one. It's weird that this one was more difficult than the last one, but I think I've finally decided. If I can only pick one, it would have to be Warbreaker by Sanderson, if you've read it. No, it's, not, not it's, personally. It's a very unique magic system that uh, involves, in order to power your magic, instead of using like 
yourself or anything like that, you use color from around you and it like it absorbs it from the world and pulls it out of the world around you. It's a really neat concept, cool. but it's really hard to read. It's something that would look beautiful on, on as a movie or a TV show or something like that, where you could literally watch the the color drain out of all these things, but trying to read it it seems like every other paragraph you're running into and then the color pulled out of this and then the color pulled out of that. I know the color's pulling out of it. And, you know, as a movie, that just blends into the background. It's just happening. You don't have to mm -hmm. spend, you know, 10 minutes reading a page and a half about how the color just pulled out of this scarf or color pulled out of those pants. Or It's something that would lend itself beautifully to... Um, to the the screen um but as far as just my my personal favorites and stuff like that i've i always got to go with trist from ra salvatore he, he should have his own series spanning 80 seasons like it it, it should never go off there um so any idea on a director or a leading role actor or actress or for Warbreaker, I, I haven't gotten far enough into it because of the way that it reads yeah. um, to really cast anybody. And I honestly don't pay enough attention to mm -hmm. directors to know who um, who I would pick for that role. Um, for the Drist ones, though, um, I, think, uh, I think the people who did Matrix, the directors for Matrix... Cool. Yeah, Wachowskis. Um, they would uh I think they would do a good job with that just because it they're they film action in a way where you actually see the action and that's that's yeah. what a lot of is in the Drift saga of you know, he's dual wielding dark elf, like you, you gotta watch him fight. That's yeah what his whole shtick is. Yeah. Um for the actor to play Drist, that one's really tough. Um because he's drow and i don't know many drow actors so it would be difficult to fill the fill the role um if if i had to pick someone uh, maybe a young idris elba can i can i yeah. can i pick a younger version of because yeah. i just yeah, sure. idris what however you pronounce his name yeah. he's a he's a little old for the role even though he's younger than drist but elves well, they, uh, <laughs> they 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 can de-age people now, you know. Like uh, they've done it with Luke Skywalker. Um, I think the first film they did in was Tron with um Jeff Bridges. Yeah, and it looked so good. Yeah, it looked so good to yeah to use that for the whole yeah. film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it would be better just if we we grab like a a sixteen year old version of them instead yeah. of. Yeah. Instead of trying to de-age him with graphics and all yeah. that, save the graphics budget for for when the Harples show up. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if you guys even know who that is. No. <laughs> it's a crazy family of wizards from the series that oh, okay. blow up everything, turn people into goats. You know, usual. Mm, sounds like Michael Bay should get involved. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Trans Transformers. Is that one I actually know? Is that is yeah. that the guy who did yeah, Transformers? No, but, oh my yeah. gosh! But he, he I actually likes know to... a director. <laughs> he, he likes to blow things up when he when gotcha. he's not when he's not directing Victoria's supermodel commercials. He 
directs really movies that where everything gets blown up. Yeah. Does does he do Victoria's Secret commercials as well? Yep. Weird. I didn't that's realize they were admitting they were blowing those women up. <laughs> that, that, that's why whenever he does a film and he wants to have a, a female yep. nerd, he just grabs a Victoria's Secret model and puts glasses on her. Mm-hmm. He's like, no. Oh. Yeah, gotcha. you are not a nerd. <laughs> no, that's how every nerdy female I've ever met has looked. I don't <laughs> it might it must just be an Australia thing. <laughs> uh, uh, question number five Mr. Elon Musk has perfected his electric time machine and has put you in charge of organizing a dinner party of historical figures who do you put on your guest list and I think we'll limit it to five no I don't, I don't even have five people because um, I this is another one that gave me a lot of trouble because I I wanted to say something like you know super profound and say like George Washington and mm. you know let's let's hear about um what what they actually meant in the Declaration of Independence and <laughs> and you know what do you guys think about the right to bear arms now that you see what actual weapons can do what do you think yeah and in reality I would pick Stephen Hawking first and foremost because he had a dinner party for time travelers I don't know if you guys know that or not I think he, I heard about that, yeah. Yeah, he legit host legitimately hosted an entire party and then sent out invites the day after. And I just <laughs> it would it would be cruel to have a dinner party where time travel is involved and not, not go have, grab him yeah. and bring him and say, You were right, buddy, just no one could wrong. show because they were <laughs> they were busy then. Like <laughs> but we got you now, don't worry about yeah. it. But other than that, I would just pull inventors because I'd be curious to talk to them about what they think about technology more so than mm. anything. Like, yeah. you know, yeah, you're super proud of your light bulb. Look at this TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, man, that's a really cool wheel. You did good work there. Let's <laughs> yeah. hop in my car and drive down to McDonald's where we're going to type in our order ourselves on a on a magic screen. Like, the, the caveman would be screaming the entire time. Ah! <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly it it would just be a trip to see the wonder in their eyes because as mm. as anybody who has ever loved legos can tell you yeah when you are someone who builds things and then you see what somebody else has built and it so much surpasses surpasses what you've been able to do it's just it's magic yeah. That's as close to magic as we as we get in this life is is seeing that that wonder in people's eyes when they discover something somebody else was able to make. And oh that's yeah, just I can I can as an as an avid comic reader I can attest to that. The moment I saw, I'll go back a long long time ago when I went and saw the first Avengers film after reading Avengers on the pages for twenty odd years, and then mm-hmm. watching what someone did to invent that to, to bring them to life was like, I had a tear in my eye when that happened. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's, I can, I can totally understand that even though I didn't create the Avengers, if I did, I'd be a very rich man. But um, just to know that like something that I, I loved and, and had read for so many years and got me through so many tough times and you see it on the screen done as accurately as they did it. Um I couldn't imagine that. So I, I couldn't imagine 
imagine inventing something like that and then a couple of hundred years later seeing what it's become. It's just, yeah. you know, crazy. Yeah. And the, that accuracy thing makes a huge difference because oh, yeah. I, can, I can tell you from, uh, from experience that the tears in your eyes from seeing how well they did Avengers mm-hmm. were very different than the tears in people's eyes after watching Avatar The Last Airbender. <laughs> <laughs> the live action of that was... was was rough. As, as an anime fan, yes, I agree with you 100%. I watched it. I think I've only ever watched it once. Um, oh, yeah, let's just... M9, I'm a massive M9 fan, and he just... He lost a lot of respect in that for me. I couldn't even finish it, man. Like, it, it got to the part where the Earthbenders are doing their little synchronized tap dance to throw a pebble, like, this big at somebody, and it's like... <laughs> Off yeah. is rolling over in her grave, <laughs> like yeah. right now. Like I can't believe you, eight guys tap dancing to toss a rock at somebody. Like, come on. We should have. We should have invited Chris on here, Jamie. He would have had a very. <laughs> our friend Chris is a massive, massive anime, and we've had this discussion with him before too. So, mm. oh, seriously, but we don't want the podcast to go for like seventeen hours because he will find <laughs> everything. Yeah, you know. Right? I, I'm a. I have a friend who makes fun of me for anime all the time because I, I will never admit to being an anime fan. Okay. Because I just, I don't, the genre doesn't feel right to me, Mm. but every anime I have ever watched, I have enjoyed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I know logically I'm probably an anime fan. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. There's one anime I watched that I didn't enjoy. Bleach. With the the move in one way and then the other, it was okay. just. I I finally understood the reason for the beach episodes that every <laughs> anime seems to have, where they're just like, "We're out of ideas. Why don't yeah. we just draw people in bikinis?" And <laughs> Bleach was tried to stay away from that, and good on him for that. But just randomly deciding we're going to do this world ending plot. And then, you know, we're going to end on a cliffhanger. And the very next episode is this completely different world-ending plot that has nothing to do with what you just watched and what you tried to mm. tune in next time for. Mm. And I just, I got I got tired of it. I, I It was a neat idea. I, I couldn't, couldn't do it. Well, the fact yeah. that they have, most animes have like five, six hundred episodes per season. Um, like Naruto and, 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 you know, our friend Chris is currently watching One Piece and he's, um, he's, I think, up to episode 620. So I said to him yesterday, oh, so you're halfway through season one. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> it's an insane amount of episodes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they're bound to run out of, I'm, I'm a, I'm a casual anime fan. So there's certain anime that I will watch. Um, like I love the Castlevania series on Netflix, which is absolutely amazing because I'm a big horror fan. So I love, mm. love, love Castlevania. I'll, like, I've watched My Hero Academia. Um, I love that kind of idea. Um, and then I watch stuff like the Vinland Saga, which is fantastic. Like I watch bits here and there, but um, our friends Chris and Mike, they're like, that's pretty much mostly what they watch. So yeah, yeah, yeah they, my friend Justin's the same way. That's It's all he watches. I've even recommended him some some live action stuff, and he's like, "Eh, I don't know about that." And it's like, 
it's Star Wars. Like yeah. <laughs> you have to watch it. And he's like, eh, I don't know about that. Is it any good? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Haven't heard of that. Oh God. Well, welcome to the anime podcast. Uh, <laughs> well, let's talk about you now, Dan. Like, what have you been working on lately? Lately, I've been doing a lot of research for book four. Um, I, I think I told you guys last time, um, my wife is a teacher. Mm-hmm. So I write almost exclusively during the summers because yep. I have a absolutely terrible memory. So anytime I try to sit down and write more of the series to ensure I don't have plot holes, mm-hmm. I read everything I wrote and then I can start. So the more books I have out, the more I have to read before I can write. Yeah. And while my wife's teaching, um, I'm with our daughter and it doesn't exactly lend itself well to an environment where I can sit down and read three consecutive books and then have the wherewithal to type some more information out. Yeah. So during the summer, we essentially switch jobs and, you know, I go to work and I treat writing like it's a nine to five job. And I go up and I, I type and type and type until I pass out. Then I wake up and type some more and five o'clock hits. I hit the, I hit the bell and I come on downstairs um, and in the meantime, I do spend some time like researching, thinking of ideas and so on and so forth. And one of the, uh, one of the aspects for book four is, um, it takes place in a town called, I told you I have a terrible memory. I have to check my map. <laughs> Silmaroon, um, town called Silmaroon. It's a slavery town. Okay. Um, and the heroes of the series are trying to obviously set Slaves free because slavery is bad. Go figure. Um, mm. But there are little things that happen in the background that I can picture that, um, you know, wouldn't be fully described in the books. Like, you know, here's slaves playing uh, a game in the in the background, um, and the completionist in me goes, "Yeah, but what is that game?" I need to know more about that game. Are they playing checkers? <laughs> Are they playing chess? Those don't really fit in with my world. Like they they could. Would they have the same name? Let me see. So I, I actually joined a uh, a group of people dedicated to making games, which is evidently a massive community. Board games. Wow. Not, not video games. Evidently yeah. there is a massive community of people who make board games. That blew me away. <laughs> um, but I talked to a bunch of them about ideas and and pushed out like a fully functioning board game so that it could be mentioned in the background of a couple of scenes. And like ideally, I think it would be neat if, you know, some I did the same thing with, with my language for the flurry, where I just, you know, I went way too hard at it because you know, I was that nerd who fell in love with Salvatore's world and Dristowerden and and the Drow and all of that, and you know, went out and tried to learn the language. Mm-hmm. And I know there's there's Star Trek nerds out there as well that learn Klingon. There, any any fan there's there's people who speak Elven. There's people who speak 
Dothraki. There any any fantasy language or sci-fi language that's ever been invented, I guarantee you there's at least one nerd who went, nice. This language <laughs> is fully fleshed out. I'm gonna learn it. I'm gonna I'm mm-hmm. gonna go wish my dad happy birthday in in Dothraki because mm-hmm. I think that would be the best way to do things. So I tried to fully flesh things out to the point where if that one nerd happens to stumble across my book, they have an avenue to, to actually find that stuff. Because when I started trying to learn how to speak drow, it, there was like five words that were known and that's because they were specifically in the book. Mm -hmm. And then like, you could learn Elvin all day long, but, but the language of the drow, you, you just, and, to, and I apologize to any listeners who um, pronounce it Dro. <laughs> I, I can't wrong. do it. I'm so sorry. I'm so I'm so I'm so sorry. It's it's hooked on phonics. B R O W brow, D R O W drow. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I know people are really divided on that, and for whatever reason. I respect your opinion and respectfully disagree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um that's funny because I've been I even heard the people argue over how Mario is pronounced. Like some people could say Mario. Mm. See, like I going, thought that was usually you guys. No, we're Super Mario. Thought, thought... Super Mario. See, over here it's Mario. It's flat yeah. out like, wow. everybody in America pronounces it Mario. I thought it was an overseas kind of thing where people said Mario. Well, or... We're constantly adopting American things, so maybe we started to <laughs> say Mario right. Maybe I mean America's the exact same way. We just steal from absolutely everybody when it yeah. comes to our language. Like it's it's ridiculous. Well that, that's like that's like um and Jamie brought up a good point. Um he watched a movie last weekend and then I ended up watching it. And I had my dad came down to visit me and he my dad had actually watched that movie as well. That movie new movie out called Air about Nike and um you know okay. the they had the creation of Air Jordans and stuff like that. Um, yeah, yeah, we yeah we've been pronouncing what we like to say. I believe the correct pronunciation is Adidas. We've been mm-hmm. we pronounce it Adidas, <laughs> but like all of Australia, it's, it's so sing songy. Adidas. <laughs> that, that, that's a that we've I've, growing up, and that my dad said the same thing, and my dad's in his sixties. And we both said the same. And then Jay, it was surprised that Jamie messaged me the exact same thing. We've always said it Adidas, but it's yeah, and yeah. then watching that movie, we're like, oh shit, it's Adidas. Like they wouldn't stop <laughs> saying it. It's like it's yeah. like they knew Australia was going to be watching it. They knew <laughs> Australia was pronouncing it wrong, and they're like, Adidas, Adidas. Yeah, yeah, we're well, going to do it, Adidas. Yeah. Well, let's go over to Adidas. Adidas aren't going to do this. And I'm going, stop. That's stop it. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> My my wife and I were actually talking a little while back. I wish I could remember the words, but there's a couple of words that just uh, Colonel, Colonel and C O L O N E L, mm-hmm. Colonel. Mm-hmm. We knew that they meant the same thing, mm-hmm. but we just assumed like you read C O L O N E L and you read that Colonel and it's you know Colonel Sanders in in yeah. the library with a with a knife mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. And then you hear people say Colonel and we, there's a couple of them like that where we just never realized they were the same exact word. And it just, 
it's so weird seeing that disconnect with uh, how is this pronounced versus how how it's spelt. And I I try I was a hooked on phonics kid. You guys have that over there, hooked on phonics. Um, I don't think I've so. heard the name, but I I just I don't think it's, so. It's for really young kids, like two and three year olds, to teach them how to read. Okay. And the the whole thing is you know sound it out, sound it out, sound it out, and it works amazingly for languages that have consistent rules on how letters sound. Yeah. Yeah. And when you come to things like knight, as in knights of the round table, and you say knig hit because you're sounding <laughs> it out, yeah. it, it just it doesn't, doesn't work. work as much. No. But it does work really well for 90% of the language, maybe a little bit more than that. And I do try, at least in, in my books, to try and keep things on the sounded out spectrum so that it, yep. if because it's always rough for me when i read something in in a book and it's a word i don't know because the author had to make it up yeah. um like uh the language of the drow for example yeah. is called xanores z x a n e l e r e s s that yeah. that's how i would pronounce it is xanores looking at the word it's probably not pronounced that way, but I yeah. learned it out of a book. And like nobody sat me down and said, okay, and this is the word Xanores, and this is how you're actually supposed to pronounce it. Mm. So I tried to stay away from that. And I even have in the back of my book uh, a glossary called A Swosel's Note. She's one of the characters in the book. Um, she's an old historian-type character. She writes my glossaries in character, writes my glossaries including pronunciation guides for different words like oh if you want to say this you just say you know cow and then ball and it together it's cowball that, that's how you say okay. it so that's handy that's it's definitely handy for the younger generation coming up you know <laughs> i mean you know me and jamie both don't have kids so we probably do have that phonics thing you were talking about well because we're childless we don't know anything about what the children are doing <laughs> so yeah. we probably well, do I mean, have it out i'm no child myself like it i i know about hooked on phonics from when i was a kid and used hooked oh on wow phonics. okay so it, it's it's been around for at least a couple of years <laughs> but yeah you're right with the whole kernel thing you know you've got kernel as in military you've got kernel as in popcorn kernels that's mm -hmm. spelled completely different but and pronounced me, exactly the same for me, the the from what I look at, when I look at both words, the popcorn kernels makes more sense to say the word kernel because it's K E. I think it's K E R N E L or something or A L. So that's kernel to me. You look at the word kernel as in military, it's like colonel. Colonel. Yep, that's how that's how I read it in my head is colonel. And then if I if I have to read it out loud, I say kernel because I know it's the word kernel now. But yeah, exactly. When you're reading it on the page, it's just it's just easier to say, oh yeah, yeah Colonel Sanders. Colonel, yeah. And um, one one more thing on pronunciation because this is this annoys me when um, uh, when Americans say Aussie, but how it's spelled, they say Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. But um, for all you Americans oh. out there, it's 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 Aussie. Yeah. So as in as in picture <laughs> this O Z Z I E. <laughs> yeah. Like Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, for for Aussie, we do say Aussie. Yeah. For Aussie, 
that's A-U-S-S-I-E, like yeah. people yeah. from Australia. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Should yeah. be Aussie? Yeah. 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 100%. What? Yeah. And, and it's, it's weird. Me being a massive wrestling fan, there's a um there's a there's a there's a tag team from Australia which is used to be in uh the in Japan, but they've made their move over to America because they've gotten quite big and they're called Aussie Open. So as in like, you know, the tennis tournament, Aussie Open. So um but every time they're on TV and I'm listening to the American commentators, they're like, Aussie Open. And I was just like, yeah. <laughs> Aussie as in, but I get it. It's exactly the same thing as the Colonel thing yeah. because it's, it's spelled A-U-S-S-I-E. So you think Aussie, but yeah. we pronounce it O-Z-Z-I-E, Aussie. So you is know? it Australia? Do you... No. Would- you could Australia. We say it's so it's we, it's still Aus in Australia, but yeah, if you yeah. shorten it, it's somehow Aussie. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Wait, but then that makes sense. We say so like my wife Jennifer, if she goes by J E N, she should be yeah. Jean. Because even pronunciation because you dropped the second half of the word. Even even when you guys say like you guys say Australia. We just say Australia. Like we lose the U <laughs> when we say it. We say Australia. Whereas you guys go Australia. We say Australia. See, I'm no stranger to that because in, yeah. in uh I was raised in New Hampshire. And yeah. New Hampshire has uh, a very distinct accent. You can ask yeah. Matt Damon about it. Um, <laughs> where ours are just non existent where they're supposed to be. They say no yeah. a lot like um some very famous Australians do because all those R's they take out of some places just somehow end up in other words <laughs> that don't have any R's in them at all. And they just, I'm going to say no. And there's an R in it. And yeah. like, you're going to have to get, get the hang of that. Nair. <laughs> it's no, it's, it's one of my favorite. There's this guy, um, Australian interviewer and he interviews a lot of, um, Americans and international movie stars and he says we're going to play the game guess the aussie slang and it is so funny trying to figure out you know um, them trying to guess what what these things mean um pretty funny yeah seriously i one one of my biggest pet peeves is um american comedians and american actors that's melbourne (laughs) it's not melbourne it's melbourne or brisbane (laughs) it's brisbane (laughs) you know what i mean like I think I think Arj Barker did a really yes. good bit about it. He said because Arj Barker lived out here for a while, I think. Yeah, and um, he would say, "No, I know how to say, I know how to say, you know, Melbourne and Brisbane, and and after, he said Brisbane, and yeah. then he said, so I can't remember. No, I remember exact- exactly. This is my favorite joke because I, I I don't know if you know Arj Barker. He's an American comedian, um, and he said like, everyone's calling him Argy Bargy because that's the Australian thing to do. He says. Ajibaji, Ajibaji, I can't believe you pronounced Melbourne right. He's like, calm down, Melbourne. This isn't my first trip to Victoria. Yeah, that's a big thing. I, I will immediately switch off a TV show or yeah. if they don't take yeah. the effort to say, there's enough of us over there acting for, yeah. for us. Immersion. It yeah. breaks immersion. I, I get you a hundred percent that it's the same way with, you know, some of the, uh, AI has, has run into a lot of that where it's just like, 
here's something that's 99% right. And then, oops, nobody thought to ask the Australians how to pronounce Aussie. Yeah. And we just found out 12 seasons in that it's Aussie. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> like, and, and, yep. and I just, I see the amount of research I do and some of the, some of the other authors I do for stuff that I am making up. Mm. Like, I am just inventing this. Like, I don't have to research it. I could just make it. Yeah. But instead, I'm doing all this research. And I know other authors who are the same way. And they'll research for 10 years before they write a line because they want to get everything perfect yeah. in a world of make-believe. Yeah. And then TV shows will produce and they're like, we'll say I, it however I, want. Yeah. I don't really understand why we would need to research. Mm-hmm. It's Australia. What are they going to do? Boomerang us? <laughs> like... <laughs> Oh man, that's funny. Yeah, well, we... we're, we're sorry to attack America about about stuff like that. Um, <laughs> I'm not. It's not even. It's not even just America, man. If, no, especially not. with our with our earlier references to anime, some of the some of the stuff they have Americans portrayed like is yeah. just, you you mentioned my hero and the Americans in that are like yeah. I'm gonna put the American flag on everything <laughs> I do like. For breakfast, I'm gonna eat 87 pigs with a gun, and yeah. I'm just gonna ride an American flag to work. And there are some people that are that patriotic, yeah. but most people, I would assume, are similar to Australia in that they're like, "Yeah, I like my country. I wouldn't want to leave. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna wear it every day. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not. I'm, yeah. I'm not gonna like." Right, uh, the My Hero Academia one yeah. that the I can't remember her name. She called uh she called mm-hmm. All Might Mentor mm-hmm. and she was riding yeah. like a a red, white, and blue stingray or something like that <laughs> through yeah. the sky. And it's yeah. like that's Captain America. He does yeah. that. Yeah. Not not so much uh not so much yeah. the everyday citizen. Not so yeah. much. But the one the the biggest the biggest uh, example of, of what you were just talking about um, and it really, really, I don't understand why, because most of the movie was filmed here in Queensland. Um, it's Pacific Rim. So Pacific okay. Rim, the, 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 the two Australians <laughs> that they had in there that were pilots, they're filming the movie in Australia. They got two New Zealanders to play two Australians. And no, there was, wasn't was it it, one, one American and one English. Oh, one American, one English that just ripped our accent to shreds. And it was just like, you know, you see those cartoons where they try and impersonate Australians back in the day. Where it's like, <laughs> right, maybe crocky. You know, it was literally just like that. And they filmed the movie in Queensland where, I mean, <laughs> hey, there, there might be some Australians around in our own country. I've seen that. There was a stand-up comedian who did a whole bit about that. Um I can't remember their name because again my memory. That's is all terrible. right. But but their their whole bit was about how you know they were ethnically Indian from India, mm-hmm. and they were you know doing these bits and so on and so forth. They were born there and had moved to America, and they were mm-hmm. auditioning for this part of an Indian girl mm-hmm. who was born in India and had moved to America. 
-hmm. And they didn't want anything to do with her accent. It was all wrong. She needed to fix it. She needed to sound more Indian. And she just, (laughs) she was like, what what do you, I am literally the character you are casting. (laughs) Well, yes, but our viewers won't, won't identify you as Indian. So you need to, you need to try and sound a little more Indian. And I think, I think the punchline, she said she decided to walk away and then they mentioned how much it paid and she turned around and <laughs> gave them their best, like, <laughs> stereotypical Indian voice. Yeah. So, uh, well, he's got a price. I'd, I'd like to thank everyone for joining us on the, uh, the pronunciation and enunciation <laughs> podcast today. Um, we've done little to no talking about your books, Daniel, which is kind of the reason why we get you on here. So why don't you just, plug the absolute crap out of your books for our viewers so they know where to get them um you know where they can buy them and obviously we know you've talked a bit about what kind of style they're in but yeah just give us your best plug pretend you're on shark tank and you predict you're you're (laughs) presenting your book because we want people my my issue with that is that i i hate sales man i love writing a story that people enjoy (laughs) i just yeah i i hate the business side of being an author Mm. If I had to summarize them, it it's the whole story is just mage vigilantes. There there's a man-made type of mage um called the Akind. Um, hence the name of the series being the Akind Chronicles, only on Amazon. Um there you go. <laughs> uh it this man-made type of mage, they take to a life of um being a vigilante and just trying to rid the world of, of crime, corruption, evil in general, and all in all of its forms. So unlike um, something like Lord of the Rings, where there's one defined bad guy who might, you know, parallel evil in general, mm-hmm. these guys are are literally fighting evil in general. So they they don't have a big bad guy like Sauron. Um, at least not at the beginning. There, there is stuff that develops. I don't want to ruin any plot points or anything like that. But there is stuff that develops, and like reoccurring characters that are of the evil persuasion, like um, a Batman villain, might be a good example. Like, you know, he doesn't have just one big bad evil guy for the series, mm-hmm. but the Joker is going to be in every reincarnation of Batman yeah, yeah. there is because yeah. it, it's just such an iconic figure. Mr. Freeze, he might he might miss a miss a reboot every once in a yeah. while. Yeah. And I, I I like the I like the Joker kind of villains where it's it's something that sticks with you. It's not just let's paint Arnold Schwarzenegger blue and call it a day. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> let's not go to that movie because that movie should be stricken from the record i'm sorry <laughs> fat nipples please <laughs> hey man it's attention to detail that you know makes the word realistic make, Clo- makes the world realistic Clooney and- just needed a paycheck all right and <laughs> I see that's the worst. Okay, I'm sorry for diverging again, but I'm a massive <laughs> Batman fan. But look, how can one of my favorite Batman movies is Batman Forever? Because, mm-hmm. and, and look, both of them are done by Joel Schumacher, right? So, Batman Forever, Jim Carrey as the Riddler, perfect. Absolutely perfect. I absolutely loved him. I even was a big fan of um, Tommy Lee Jones as, as, as Two Face. 
I absolutely love that movie. Mm-hmm. And I thought, brilliant, he's doing the next one? Fantastic. And then we get that piece of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> when you when you when you when you do Bane like that, I'm sorry, but no. Um Poison Ivy was the only one they got remotely correct. And what I figure they did with her with the personality, because you've got to remember this was back in like the nineties. Um, they pretty much just said, Hey, be like Michelle Pfeiffer in Batman Returns, but a little bit sluttier. <laughs> and, uh, essentially, that's not Uma Thurman's point because, fault because she did a fantastic job. But no, that movie was just, uh, and that they they made Batgirl Alfred's niece. I mean, mm. everyone knows that it's Jim, it's Commissioner Gordon's daughter. It always has and always will be. Sorry, I'm, I'm ranting, but <laughs> not not everyone knows. Some of us Could never read the comics. Oh, well, if you haven't read the comic, you couldn't have spoiler alerted that for me. Uh, uh, spoiler alert alert from a comic that came out in the 1930s. I'm sorry. Exactly. (laughs) The whole thing's ruined. I was just going to get to that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's quickly Uh, segue back into your work. Um, Quickly, uh, who's your favorite character to write? uh, Gabrielle, 100%. Um, She is, um, for the three books that are out, um she is a seven-year-old girl um Mm -hmm. who her her parents um essentially tried to use magic to make a precursor um to the akind they they were trying to invent this man-made type of magic um and they got gabrielle she's she's a seven-year-old girl who has access to telekinesis and and she floats and um she doesn't really quite understand why she floats um it's just like this aura of magnetism where she's just floating along um the stranger things uh series has 11 Mm -hmm. um that is a really good example except for the fact that she was kind of an accident whereas gabrielle would be like the pinnacle of what they were supposed to be she has complete precise control over telepathy and everyone who meets her just tries to turn her into a weapon because she should be (laughs) she like she she quad wields katanas because she can why why wouldn't she just directs them like a conductor because she doesn't need to use her hands and everywhere this girl goes everyone is trying to convince her to be a weapon trying to convince her to be a weapon um either for good or for evil and um it's she just wants to be a kid like and that's just it mirrors a lot of uh a lot of stuff that um I think a lot of people in real life can can relate to because a lot of us had to grow up way earlier than we should have. And mm-hmm. um, I like the fact that that aspect makes her feel very real to me. Um, I do. I do like other characters. Um, Tame is the uh, front runner. I got to got to pull up the, the book to show you the picture. Um the little creature up here is called a flory. 
these mm-hmm. guys with the the butterfly like wings um they uh they're a, a race of my own creation that's the language i was talking about developing um they have a little bit of ability to manipulate minds um with their antenna um sort of like if you've seen the movie dreamcatcher by stephen yep. Yep. king yep. um i almost said stephen hawking um <laughs> You know how they all go into their little headspace? Yep. yep. Kind of like that, only their antenna allowed them to do it to other people. So they touch okay. you with their antenna and then they can walk around in your little headspace. Oh, and wow. You can walk around in theirs. And um, it's kind of like a, a fully immersive, you don't have secrets from each other. And you mentioned Pacific Rim. It's, it's a lot like that where your brains are now synchronized. I, I'm, I'm in your brain. I can look around and know literally anything, you know, just by going, Oh, there it is. Oh, okay. That's the password to your router. Thanks. And then, you know, <laughs> log, log into your Wi-Fi. Not that they have Wi-Fi, but you get the idea. Yeah. And then um, the other, the other aspect of them is their wings allow them to um, transform. They, they kind of form like a cocoon around themselves when they sleep and they go through what is called Reseda. Um, where their subconscious is reflected externally. So however they view themselves, their their body changes to match that. And, you know, some of them might wake up a foot taller because they went to bed feeling like they were on top of the world. They felt, felt like a big, tall winner or whatever. So they wake up a foot taller. And some of them, you know, they had a really bad day and they feel like the world's beat them down. They might wake up literally a foot shorter and or sorry, one third of a meter (laughs) to put that in Australian terms. But uh, they they don't even have to stick within the same race. Um, They can they can turn into theoretically anything as long as they believe that. And, you know, if you if you go to sleep as a flory and have a really realistic dream about how you're a dwarf, you might fall out of your tree as a dwarf and wake Mm -hmm. up as a, as a dwarf because of how realistic your dream was. And then because the source of their magic is their wings and dwarfs don't have them, they would actually need a different flory to come and change them back in order for them to not just be stuck as a dwarf forever. And it was it was a really neat race to write. I I think Esposa would have to be my favorite for her. She's mm-hmm. like I mentioned earlier. She's the one who does my glossaries. Um, she's long winded. We relate. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but those are those are the two my two favorites by far. Awesome. Um, Excellent. Well, just before we let you go, do you want to? Do a um where can people buy your books? Have you got social media that you want people to stalk you on and follow you and all that stuff? Just just plug yourself. I am trying to get back into my uh Instagram and Facebook um from when I had published through a publisher. Um I'm running through a lot of issues with getting back into them. For now, I am just doing everything on uh subreddit called the Akind Chronicles. A kind chronicles, A K Y N D C H R O N. I'll just show you a kind chronicles. <laughs> a kind that chronicles. right there, no spaces. It's a subreddit. There's only two posts in there. One describes the game that I told you about earlier. Yep. 
and uh, one describes my attempt at uh, crowdsourcing advertisement. As I mentioned, I, I hate advertising. So I actually mm. went through um, and made a QR code that links to the subreddit I'm telling you about. Ooh. And then went to a website called Redbubble that makes stickers and stuff like that. Yeah, all all kinds of nerd paraphernalia. Mm-hmm. And I put the QR code on stickers so that anybody who, you know, likes fantasy or sorry, likes the idea of supporting an independent author, but doesn't, doesn't really want to read fantasy or anything like that. Mm-hmm. If they want, they could buy a couple stickers and slap them around wherever they have permission. Don't, don't vandalize, you know, yeah. but like, I, I walked with a handful of them to some local bookstores and stuff like that um, to see if they'd let me post them anywhere. They all said no, but the McDonald's mm-hmm. or Mackey's, I think is what you guys call them. Mackers. <laughs> Mackers. Okay. <laughs> they let me, they let me put them all over the store. They did not care. They're like, yeah, yeah. sure. Put them on the wet floor signs, put them on the doors. We, <laughs> sure. And I, I thought that was so interesting that so many bookstores in the area were like, Ah, we don't really do independent authors, so yeah. no. But then McDonald's was like, "Whatever." <laughs> like, so we're, we're all about advertisement. <laughs> yeah, but other than that, the books are on. Uh, they're on Amazon. It's a uh, you. You can search a Kind Chronicles. Yeah. You can search Wizards Requiem. Um, or Heroes Recusants. I'll also send a link to you guys if you want to include that in the in the Fair bottom nice. thing. Yep. So yeah, they're very easy to find on Amazon because I was able to pull them up straight away. Um, Even if you're in Australia on amazon.com.au, just do a search for Daniel Lehman and both of the books will pop up. You can get the Kindle edition, paperback, hardcover, and also I believe there's an audio audible version as well. There is an audio book for book one um, Mm -hmm. that, that was narrated by Brandon Goodling. One of the, one of the coolest people I know. Um, Mm -hmm. He 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 used to DM for me back in the day. Um, so it's it's really difficult for me to listen to it because every time I listen to it, I don't hear a narrator. I hear my DM yeah. telling my D and D stories as though they're his D and D stories, and I'm like, that's hey, awesome. <laughs> like that, that's rough. But I've got a lot of good feedback about him. People evidently really really enjoy. Mm. um the way he narrates he uses different voices and everything so mm-hmm. it's 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 definitely uh definitely a step above the monotone audiobooks i used to listen to when i was in yeah. the navy so well even even the um the audiobook because i'm an apple guy with my iphone and ipad you can actually get the audiobook through apple as well because that's how i found out there was an audiobook <laughs> um it's it's available if you're in Australia. It's available um, through the the book, the Apple Bookstore for twenty three ninety nine. So definitely, if you're an audio guy rather than reading, um, or you just don't have time to read books, grab jump on and grab the first book from um, you know wherever you get your good audio books from. That's news to me. I did I didn't know it was available yeah. anywhere except for Audible. <laughs> yeah, so I just I found it. I I was because I was I because I do all my reading. I try and do as much as I can through Apple because that's what I have. I can read it at my comfort and I did a search for you. And the only thing that came up for you was the audible audio book for book one. So there you go. Nice. 
There you nice. have it. Awesome. Well, guys, um, thank you for listening. Thank you again, Dan, for coming on. Uh, I know we had a bit of uh, technical difficulties, but we got through it. And when this episode's out, no one will know, be none the wiser. <laughs> exactly. Jamie's an edit, edit wizard. <laughs> Can he make me look pretty? Um, I could probably uh, put something over you, like a Disney character <laughs> or... Um... Smiley face. <laughs> well, I asked him the same question and he said, I could probably put something over you, like a paper bag. And I said, well, no, that, that's fine. That's totally fine. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Uh... Any, anything for the viewers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We'll catch you next time. See you next time.